Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. All right, Raptors and Warriors about to tip off game four. Edmonton Stingers just tipping off at the Expo Center against the Fraser Valley Bandits. The prospects won last or uh, the prospects won this afternoon, pardon me, in ten innings, nine seven in Brooks. They return home to face Okotoks tomorrow at seven at Remax Field. The Blue Jays trail the Diamondbacks six one in the top of the seventh. Eskimos first game of the CFL regular season, one week from tonight on six thirty Jed. 5.30 for the countdown to kick off and the game will start at 7. You can text 6.30-6.30 the open line number 780-496-0063 We have uh, James texting and he goes, read some spicy chicken from Northern Chicken might help that scratchy voice. It's not a bad idea actually James. Northern Chicken at any time is good. That, that's, that's a good point. Northern Chicken at any time is good and it's a good time to tell you, some guests on the show get gift certificates to Northern Chicken. They have their brunch Sunday, 11 a.m. until 2, featuring biscuits and gravy with smashed potatoes. Visit northchickenyeg.com. The Fizzler texting in, and the Fizzler one of, is one of those guys, Kellen, he's not a volume texter. Ah. Like, he doesn't text 20 times to gotcha. a show. He'll pick his spots, but he'll make sure it's good. Fizzler has a good sense of humor. He was listening to Bob talking about going to see the cult tonight. And the Fizzler says Bob is going to dust off his three-quarter sleeve-length Duran Duran-style blazer and relive his Goose Looney days at the cult concert tonight. Pretty good. Okay. I'll take his word for it because I have no idea what the Goose Looney is. I imagine I was a club at some time. Oh, that, well, yeah, that would have well, predated even me being old enough to go to a place like that. Gotcha. Goose Loonies was uh, the place to go in Edmonton for a while, I guess. So there you go. And by the way, Duran Duran referenced by the Fizzler. Duran Duran, my first favorite band as a young Wilkie growing up in Evansburg. Cool. Is, is it really cool? <laughs> I guess they were pretty cool. Bon. Simon Le Bon. Hey, it's pretty good. We should play a View to a Kill later on. I'll play that later. Oh, I was going to ask if people knew what that was from. Well, you knew, and you gave it away. That's Sorry. okay. Uh, Jared says, Lucic for James Neal. No way. Everyone is pretty much scared of Lucic. Ask Calgary. He stays here. Ken Holland can make it work. That's another text of 630-630 from Jared. We were talking about that with Bob about Elliot Friedman suggesting that there has been perhaps some tire kicking uh, with the Oilers and Flames about that trade. And uh, Greaser texting in. He says, Reed, you're right about Brad Marchand. Boston's getting what they deserve. He is a puke, LOL. That is from Greaser. Well, the Blues can, 
end it Sunday night. We'll have Game 6 of the Stanley Cup Final, 6 o'clock right here on 6.30. Chad, uh, the draft is two weeks from tonight. We'll have coverage from Vancouver. This is pretty fun. Starting on Monday, Kellen, on 630Ched.com, we have the NHL Mock Draft Challenge presented by AMJ Campbell. So if you think you're a good armchair GM, that you know how this is going to play out, what team needs who, we are offering you a chance to accurately predict the top eight picks at the 2019 NHL Draft. Starting Monday, and this will run until the 20th, if you uh, successfully pick the top eight picks in order, not just the top eight, but in order, you can win $500 cash courtesy of AMJ Campbell. And that'll be on 630Ched.com starting on Monday. That's fun. And I think I, I'm going to put together a little mock draft. And if, if you trust my predictions, I, I feel bad for you. Uh, but I think I'll put together something as well. Now, to help you with that, a guy who... Uh, does his own draft rankings for the Red Line Report, a great source for the prospects coming into the league. Welcome back to the show, Kyle Woodleaf. Kyle, how are you doing? Uh, it's been a great year here, so I'm, um, I'm happy to be on again with you and uh, really looking forward to this year's draft. It's a, it's a strong one. Yeah, well, it's always great to talk to you, and I know the Red Line Report does such a great job looking at the prospects and, and letting fans know what they can, they can expect. And, well, you know what? I'm, I'm going to start with, with the simple question. Um, you know, the, 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 top, the top two this year, is this a, a fairly obvious top two? Can anything possibly break up Hughes and Kako from going at the top? Uh, I don't think so, Reed. I, you know, I, I expect it to play out as, as everybody else uh, would expect. I expect that uh, Jack Hughes will go first and Capocacco will go second. Uh, but you know, number three is uh, Vasily Podkolzin, and he's a, he's a really strong player. I mean, there'd be plenty of other years where he'd be in consideration for number one. So it's uh, it's uh, three deep at least, but uh, probably a little bit of a break uh, you know, after the top two to Podkolzin. Yeah, well, that for me, that's where it gets interesting, and certainly here in a Western Hockey League city too. Uh, there's there are a lot of names out there that that could possibly go in the top five, or maybe players who could be available to the Oilers at number eight. But I, I want to start with Bowen Byram, the defenseman of the Vancouver Giants. I mean, it, to me, he's a really a, a appealing guy, a defenseman who can skate and who can score. Hey, who wouldn't love that on your NHL roster? But how do you see uh, Byram in terms of his strengths and weaknesses, and and maybe where? you have them slotted well i mean we think it's a literally a, a historic year for the whl and even the bchl this year there's so much so much talent coming from western canada this year it's amazing um i, I could easily see between the bchl ajhl and the whl i could see over 40 players close to 45 or 50 even uh wouldn't shock me uh, to see that many players drafted from out in western canada this year so it's a it's a historically deep crop overall um, and you mentioned some, uh, you know, some top end talent from the dub. Uh, you know, certainly in addition to Byram, you've got uh, Dylan Cousins, you've got Kirby Doc, you've got uh, Peyton Krebs, who we're very high on. Uh, so, uh, you know, there's there's going to be a lot of players from out west going in the top 15. Uh, but getting back to Byram, uh, you know, as you said, he's a terrific offensive talent. Uh, he's going to be a terrific quarterback on the power play. He's going to put up a lot of points. 
but uh, I don't I don't like his defensive game at all. I mean, he's he's not good at his own end, and uh, it's going to require a lot of teaching and a lot of learning uh, for him to become even adequate in his own zone. Um, I do think that he'll go in the top five, but we don't have him in the top five in Red Redline Report. Well, that, I mean, man, I find, I find that really interesting, and that and that is that's what's intriguing to me is is how this might play out after, after like we were talking about those those top two picks and and team needs and and who they like, and as as we've seen as it goes along, it, you know, I'll just throw back quickly to, to to last year, Kyle, before I get into some of the other guys. Because we were there uh, for for the Oilers pick, and a lot of our dialogue going into it was, man, they, they would be lucky if one of Dobson, Bouchard, or Wallstrom were available to the Oilers at number ten. Oh, guess what? By the way, Kyle, they were all available at number ten, and the Oilers the Oilers took Evan Bouchard. I wonder what you you were thinking watching that play out for Edmonton's pick last year. I I was stunned both for Edmonton and because the Islanders had the two picks right behind them. I I could not believe the Islanders were sitting there with without a pick in the top ten and managed to come away with uh, two of the top seven players on our board. I mean, uh, you know, Wallstrom's going to be a big time goal scorer, and Dobson was the best defenseman in the entire CHL this year. So. I mean, and Bouchard, uh, we love Bouchard. I mean, Bouchard is a terrific player. So uh, I don't know how those three players managed to get to 10, 11, and 12. But, um, you know, they were 5, 6, and 7 on our board last year. Yeah, well, that, that's that's a great point. I, I remember that you guys had them all had them all really high. All right. Anyway, that was a little bit of a tangent. Cir- cir- circling back to this year, you mentioned Kirby Doc, and uh, he's going to be, uh, you know, maybe a top five pick. A lot of people in Edmonton and area are going to pay attention to him. He's uh, from Fort Saskatchewan. Really strong year with an up and coming Saskatoon Blades team. Uh, big kid. He can provide offense. Uh, tell me some thoughts here on Kirby Doc. Well, as you said, I mean, everybody's looking for size down the middle, and he's legitimately 6'4", maybe even close to 6'5", at this point. Um, you know, he's got soft hands. Uh, he's really good offensively. Uh, he doesn't play with as much as intensity as you'd like. I mean, that may come, uh, you know, he, he is young, and he's still, you know, growing up uh, both physically and mentally. Um, but he, he's got all the tools to be a dominant center. Um, you know, 6'4", 190 pounds already. Um you know, there's there's not much holding him back. Um, I think Dylan Cousins is actually slightly ahead of him at this point, just in terms of his maturity level, uh, not necessarily physical maturity, but in terms of you know where he is mentally and the intensity of his game. Um, so at this point, we have Dylan Cousins ranked fourth on our list, and um, Kirby Doc is seventh on our list. Uh, but both of them are big centers with all the tools, uh, really good skating. Soft hands, uh, you know, both of those kids are going to be, you know, for certain, top three. I think Cousins will be top five. I think Kirby Doc will go in the bottom half of the top ten, somewhere between six and ten. Um, but, you know, both of them are going to be really good pros. Another Western Hockey League player is Peyton Krebs. And, uh, Played for a, not a very good team in Kootenai. Obviously, they're moving to Winnipeg for the upcoming season. I mean, Kyle, you you watch these you you watch these drafts. You're very astute with ranking players. Does a player can his stock be damaged by playing on on, on a bad team? What kind of things do you have to look at as a, at a player to make sure you're not you know judging maybe the quality of the team that you're just judging him? Because obviously, Kootenai you know did did not have a very good year at all. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, it was a bad situation both on the ice and off the ice there. And actually, in our mind, it elevated Krebs just because of the fact that he was playing in just an awful situation and we never saw the slightest bit of give up in him. I mean, he plays hard every shift, every game in just an awful environment there. And for, for us, that really elevated his stock. We've got Peyton Krebs eighth overall at Redline Report, probably a little higher than he's going to go, but I don't, I don't see him really dropping much below 11 or 12 or thereabouts. Okay, and there are uh, a lot of players from the U.S. National Development Team program. You know, as as there usually are, they've they've done a great job, obviously, uh, building talent there. Uh, Zgrass, Boldy, maybe some guys who could be there for the Oilers. Number eight, Caulfield, uh, Caulfield's name out there as well. Do you have a guy out of the U.S. program? Well, and I guess I'm not putting Turcotte's name in there, Kyle, because maybe he's not going to be there for the Oilers at number eight. But how do you look at some of these guys coming out of the states? Well, I think you're right that uh, Turcotte is not going to be there uh, by the time eight rolls around, but uh, a couple of the other guys that you mentioned are, are prime candidates. I think, you know, given the fact that the Oilers have strength down the middle uh, and yet don't have any wingers to play with guys like uh, Dreisaitl and, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, McDavid and, uh, and Nugent Hopkins, I mean, other than Dreisaitl, there really aren't any scoring wingers or any wingers with real size uh, on the team. So I, I would look at... You know, pick number eight at guys like Matthew Boldy and Cole Caulfield off of that U.S. program. Um, they're both legitimate top ten talents, and I can't even imagine how many goals Cole Caulfield would score on uh, on right on right wing matched up with Connor McDavid. I mean, he scored about a bazillion uh, on that U.S. team with Jack Hughes as his center, and McDavid's a step up from Jack Hughes. So, you know, Cole Caulfield would really fill up the net uh, playing with a with a center like that. Uh, Boldy has the size and the finesse uh, to play on the wing with with other skilled centers um one guy that i think is kind of a, a dark horse in the mix um arthur kaliev uh, he's uh, he's an american kid who played for hamilton in the ohl this year and scored 51 goals uh, probably the best right right there with cole caulfield as the best pure snipers in the entire draft and much bigger obviously i mean cole caulfield the one knock is that he's maybe five seven standing on tippy toes and about 155 160 pounds kaliev on the other hand is uh, close to six two and 185 pounds um probably could play in the nhl as soon as next year maturity wise could use another year in the ohl but uh he's he's a dark horse name that i would throw in there at number eight he's certainly a top 10 talent i think he might slide down a little bit just because of concerns about uh again his intensity level and his maturity level Okay. Well, a lot of names to watch for, and, and obviously the deeper you go into the first round, the more unpredictable it gets. But, uh, Kyle, I always appreciate your perspective. Again, let people know how they can check out the Redline Report online. Sure. You just go up onto our website at uh, www.redlinereport.com, and uh, you can order a copy of our draft guide. You can get it as a PDF file via email, and or you can get a printed hard copy either way. Right on, Kyle. Thanks so much for your time, buddy. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Reed. Talk to you soon. Kyle Woodley from the Redline Report. Man, he seemed to like Caulfield potentially going to the Oilers and being a finisher for McDavid at eighth overall. We will find out two weeks from tonight. 
It is 8-5 early. Warriors leading the Raptors. 6.45 left in the first quarter. Slow start to this game. It took 2 minutes and 20 seconds for the first bucket to be scored. Steph Curry hit a long two-pointer for the Golden State Warriors. Jared Texini says, Reed, you sound like you hit a Def Leppard concert last night. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I wish. I, I will on July 29th, though. They're playing Rogers Place. I'm going. Quick timeout. It's 721. Hi, this is Ryan Asia Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 10-6, halfway through the first quarter. It is the Warriors leading the Raptors in Game 4 of the NBA Finals. Hey, soccer week in Edmonton. Some details announced at a news conference yesterday. It's going to be July 17th to 21st. I went to the news conference at uh, Commonwealth Stadium. On July 20th, we're going to have an international friendly between Cardiff City out of Wales and Real Valladolid out of Spain. And uh, that's a team owned by uh, Ronaldo, former great of the Brazilian national team. I talked to Sean Lowther. He's the executive director of Alberta Soccer. Sean, well, exciting news to get this friendly here. Uh, what do you hope this uh, this means for uh, soccer fans? I mean, not just at Edmonton, but people who will who will travel to the game to, to check it out. It's huge. I mean, we have some of the best players in the world coming here. Two teams that played in the English Premiership and La Liga, the, the two top leagues in the world. Uh, so obviously they're quality players. You've got Junior Hoylett, who's with the Canadian national team. Uh, again, a fantastic player. He's excited to play in Canada with his club team. Uh, and he's been actually speaking to their manager about getting them into Canada. So that's going to be exciting. Uh, just to have kids out watching how these guys play. They train. They, You know, it's, it's good for them. And hopefully uh, inspire those people to become good quality players. Uh, for Edmonton to have Commonwealth, and obviously you referenced the the joint U.S.-Canada-Mexico bid, and you know Edmonton's obviously uh, hopefully going to get some matches as well. So what does it mean to have Commonwealth not just for this, but potentially World Cup games in, uh, I guess, seven years now? Yeah, it's going to come quick, though. <laughs> um, I mean, it's massive. Uh, you know, getting these two quality sides in sort of puts a stamp on Edmonton. We want to, we want to be a host city. We're willing to step up and, and do things and get quality sides in here to grow the game. So I'm pretty sure that Canada Soccer will, uh, will look at this and say it's great, you know, that these quality sides are coming in, build some excitement, uh, grow the game, and I'm sure uh, Edmonton will, uh, will change things going forward with other teams coming in. Tom Fath is here, co-owner of FC Edmonton. Incredible commitment from him for a long time to keep the organization going. The academy is is producing excellent players, and and you referenced when you were at the podium, you know Calgary has a team in the in the CPL as well. Um, tell me a little bit about this step of having a CPL, and I almost hate to do this to you, but the next step now <laughs> that we need to look ahead here. 
Well, I'll look back first. Uh, you know, Canada qualified for the 86 World Cup. I was fortunate to, to play uh, during that era and played for Canada. And uh, we had a league that had good quality teams in it with good quality players that were Canadian. And that's why we got to the World Cup. So we need to produce a professional environment for more players to play the game at that, at that level for a longer period of time to develop players. And that's what the CPL is all about, is to develop those youngsters. And right now, we want, to, we want to lose those youngsters. We want to develop in the CPL, and then they move on to bigger and better things with, with uh, top club teams throughout the world, such as Alfonso going to Bayern Munich. We need, we need more players like that if we want our Canadian national team to do well on the world stage. That is Sean Lowther, the executive director of Alberta Soccer. Uh, a little bit more on the friendly coming up on July 20th between Cardiff City and Real Vio de Lead, and uh, also about you know Edmonton's place and potentially hosting World Cup games in 2026. All right, Jack Michaels. Speaking of gravelly voices, Jack is going to remember a time he had to call an NHL game with a uh, awful voice, and the Warriors lead the Raptors 17-10, eight minutes into the first quarter. We're back after the news, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chet. Two minutes left in the first quarter. Golden State leading Toronto 23-12. Tough start for the Raptors in Game 4 of the NBA Finals. They do lead the series two games to one. Blues leading the Bruins 3-2 in the Stanley Cup Final. Game 6 in St. Louis on Sunday. No Ivan Barbashev for the Blues. He's been suspended for that game for a check to the head against Boston's Marcus Johansson last night. We will have Game 6 for you on this very station, 6 o'clock on Sunday night. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. And uh, as I've said earlier, uh, or if you're just tuning in, I uh, absolutely know I sound horrible. Had a cold earlier in the week, and uh, I feel I feel better from that. But the the voice for some reason got a little worse today. Uh, but I will uh, I will bounce back over the weekend. And uh, in this business, you got to go on. Sometimes you got to be, well, maybe even. Feel a little bit embarrassed about how you sound, like I do tonight? With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. And I don't have nearly as difficult a task as one of my good friends did about a year and a half ago. Point, this is going to be a breakaway. Zach Cassian. Good shot, wide. Rebound score. Zach Cassian to Chris Tierney. Drag move, and again, Tierney turns it over off the rush. That's twice he's done that. It's banked off the boards. Cassian again. Backhander score. And the Oilers are right back in this game. Tierney twice has turned the puck over, and Cassian has converted both times. February 10th, 2018. Oilers wound up losing 6-4 to the Sharks. Jack Michaels, I have no idea how you made it through that game. I applaud you still to this day. <laughs> 
You know, it's funny, Reed. I'll tell you two things. Number one, that's the only time my voice has failed me. Uh, Bob would verify, and and going back 20 years in this business, I had a voice that often was gone during the day, but when I needed it at night, it was there. And that's the that's the lone exception. That game, uh, it never came back. It, it went, and it I never got it back. And I used to, I used to think I just had this innate you know, just the ability to be ready when the time called. But that uh, that game was the lone exception. And then secondarily, as I thought this show, I swear to God, for the first 15 seconds that you came on there, I thought, oh, you know, Reed's, Reed's doing really well for himself with this show. He got himself an update guy. I, I, you were... You were a good chunk into that update. Only when you started talking about Golden State Toronto did I realize it was actually you. So yes, there there is a significant. I'm not kidding. I was sitting here, you know, waiting for. Okay, now let's kick it over to Reed Wilkins for inside sports. Uh, so yeah, it's no fun playing hurt, and uh, I hope you feel better soon. But uh, you know, obviously, in this business, it's uh, it's uh, it's a relatively minor inconvenience. We've got great jobs, and uh, even though our voice sometimes doesn't feel as great as we'd like it to, uh, what is is what is. And uh, I, I I appreciate the fact that you're able to gut it out uh, that night. Uh, for me, that was that was just a game, and obviously, I sounded like I swallowed a chainsaw, but I got through it, and no big deal. Well, yeah, and, and, I'm, and I'm not... I, We're I not just, exactly Zidane Chara, that's for sure. Yeah, I just I just feel bad for the for the people uh, listening tonight. I hope it's not too uh, painful to hear me subscribe, but like I said, I, I, like I had a bit of a cold, whatever, you know, I, I was, you know, I didn't have to work. Uh, I didn't have a show. I was preempted yesterday. I went to the soccer news conference. You know, not a lot of work. Uh, and you know, I had sinus. I was, I was a little tired. But I was like, oh, I, this morning I woke up and I was like, oh, I feel pretty good. But I sound worse. Like I sound much sicker. Like I should have sounded worse earlier in the week based on how I felt. But whatever. I, I all I can do is apologize to people and I'm sure I'll sound better uh sound better on Monday. And and yeah, I mean you and I like talking about uh the business ourselves and we don't want to get too uh too inside baseball, but I mean the guys who well, I mean the baseball guys who might be calling three to four hour games every day and still traveling and, and you can get some funky weather in baseball where they might be calling games in the cold and stuff. Those those are the guys that uh, I look up to those guys too because that can be a grind on on, uh, on your voice. Minor league, like you did minor league hockey by yourself. There's a lot of minor league baseball guys who will not have a, a color guy and they'll have to do all the talking for, for several hours throughout a game. Well, the only thing with that is there is like a bit of more of a conversational tone. I mean, I think in hockey, uh, in hockey, you're naturally a little bit more kickstarted, which is why, I mean, I, I like baseball and, and I even like broadcasting baseball, but boy, you know, the, I, I don't know. It, it, I think baseball is a little bit more like having a conversation. And so you can, I don't think there's as much projection necessarily needed. Uh, until the very latter stages, I think most of it is a big lead up, uh, and and you're obviously with a guy that you know again can can take the pressure off you a little bit more than certainly when you're hosting a show by yourself. Uh, so you've got a you've got another voice to lean onto. But absolutely, the daily the day in 
uh, day out grind. Uh, you know, I, I know some people that, you know, are in, are in kind of a, a short season single A or even, uh, I mean, double A. Boy, they cram in, you know, 150 games into about a 162 day season. It's 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 ridiculous the kind of schedule those guys have. So, uh, you mentioned you mentioned Golden State, Toronto. Yes. And uh, you know what? I, I'm. It's interesting. I think we're finding, at least in the early stages, uh, that you know you get back one of the world's top fifteen players. It makes a big difference. Oh well, big time. Yeah. I mean, people. What I'm saying is, people forget that the, the point I was making there is Clay Thompson is one of the. Oh, that Clay's that good. Yeah, players. for sure. And, and that's what people forget is. You know, sure, you could talk about Durant Curry being two of the top five. And it's one thing to have two of the top five. It's another thing to have three of the top 15. I mean, on a basketball team, that is, you know, that's really where you find out how loaded uh, Golden State exactly is. And I'm not saying Toronto's done in this game. And I, I think it's been a more competitive series than I would have envisioned. But I also didn't envision Golden State going down a few more men. I mean, the fact that they're you know, even in this series is testament to how great they are. And that's no offense to Toronto, but, uh, you know, I kind of wanted to pump the brakes a little bit the other night about, uh, you know, talking how, you know, how gallant Toronto was. Because I I think Golden State's putting up a a heck of a fight. And really, even if they should lose this series, uh, I I think their greatness is being revealed uh, with how much of a run they've gone on, even even down a couple of the world's best. Yeah, uh, Raptors back within four now, a minute into the second quarter, so they're fighting back a little bit. They did not shoot well in uh, in the first quarter, and it's been and it's been fun to watch. You know, uh, Bob was on earlier, and it's funny, Jack. Bob and I were talking about. Now, Bob's a little older than me, but we grew up in small towns in Alberta where you had two channels, and you'd read about the NBA in the newspaper for people who remember those things. And then, you know, we came to Edmonton as we went to university, and then all of a sudden we had all these channels. So, you know, in the 90s, I got to watch the Bulls, and that was very entertaining. And then I thought the NBA lost me a little bit. Uh, and, and, look, I know the Spurs were, were great teams. And I, I remember the Lakers three-peat. I, I, you know, I was still watching, but I it sort of lost me a little bit. And then the Warriors got me a little more interested because of the way Curry shoots and Thompson, and, and they're exciting. Now, you grew up in, in the States, and we're close to the same age, so you know you would have been able to more watch some of the Lakers' Celtic stuff live. Is that still uh, the golden age for you in your lifetime, or what, what, is the, what is the highlight of the NBA since you've been following it? Well, I mean, the highlight for me uh, was was certainly the Celtics Lakers, but also, you know, being able to watch Michael Jordan. I mean, right. and, and by that time you were able to catch about 15 games a year. Plus I would go see the bulls play when they were in Cleveland. Oh, nice. Uh, Cause I was a Cavs fan at the time, not the Cavs of LeBron James, but the Cavs of Mark Price and hot rod Williams and, and Brad Doherty and Mark Price, those kind of guys. So, uh, you know, bottom line is, is what people don't remember though, Reed is, it really didn't matter that you were missing out with only two channels at Edmonton because as recently as 1980 and even 81, 80 NBA finals featured Magic Johnson against Dr. J. Those were on tape delay. <laughs> 81, Celtics with Larry Bird uh, uh, against Houston. Again, finals that were on tape delay. 
I mean, can you imagine that? An NBA Finals game in the United States, supposedly a huge basketball country, and that's where the NBA was. They were on tape delay on CBS with a game in Philadelphia being played at 11 p.m. Eastern time, you know, on on tape delay with a championship already decided. So, uh, you know, that's where the NBA was when I was real small. And, you know, of course, gradually, uh, you know, Bird and Magic's elevating the Celtics and Lakers and then Jordan on the heels of that, uh, you know, took the NBA into a situation where by 1992, uh, NBA basketball was probably, you know, the number one sport, uh, to be honest with you. I mean, I, it would be right there with football at that particular point in time with the dream team and all that. So, so that's kind of where I, where I grew up with basketball. And, uh, you know, certainly I, I think it's great for, for Canada and the city of Toronto, uh, especially in light of how mismanaged that Vancouver franchise was. Uh, that the Raptors have gone as far. I think uh, their general manager has been validated. He's being mentioned as a, as a guy that Washington is courting and trying to pry out of Toronto. Uh, and the fact that, you know, Kawhi Leonard, I, I think it'll be a huge boon uh, for the game in this country if, uh, if, if Kawhi Leonard resigns with the Raptors. And I'll say this, Reed, uh, you did not hear about Canadian basketball players uh, when we were growing up. Right. And, you know, starting with Steve Nash, but, I mean, Canadian basketball has never been stronger than it is right now. And, sure, they've had the odd bust here and there, but they've also uh, put a flood of really talented basketball players in the league. And that was something, again, you know, the European players too, but that Canadian trickle was kind of the last to come. The Europeans were there before the Canadians. And, and I think the future of Canadian basketball I, yeah, I would not be surprised if uh, if basketball was in a different spot in terms of this country's popularity uh, in about 10 years from now. I would not be surprised at all. I think that's a great point. Glenn Grunwald, former Raptors general manager and now the CEO of Canada Basketball, joined me on this show on Wednesday, Jack. Uh, he said there are 13 Canadians in the NBA, the most of any country not named the United States, and there could be as many as eight Canadians drafted into the NBA this summer. And, of course, the NBA draft is two rounds, right? Like, it's not seven or 60. Like yeah, you're talking baseball. about eight out of 60. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about more than 10% uh, are going to be Canadian-born players. And I'm just telling you, I'm not saying, you know, basketball's a threat to hockey or anything, but I'm telling you that, you know, in terms of interest across this country, I would not be surprised uh, to see basketball as the rising star over the next decade in this country. Yeah, and sometimes it takes a while, but, uh, you know, I was talking soccer on the show earlier because there's that friendly game and uh, coming up in Edmonton on July 20th, and we've been waiting so long for Canadian soccer on the men's side, totally different on the women's side, but on the men's side to do something, uh, but but it's been Canadian basketball, the sport that is that has taken off. That, that's that's a really interesting way to. Uh, now you can say, okay, maybe there are, you know, fewer countries uh, playing basketball, but there are still a lot of countries playing basketball, and and Canada's worked its way up in both men's and women's. So that's pretty cool. Uh, Jack, we're going to be in Vancouver in a couple of weeks for the uh, for the NHL draft. Oilers at number eight. It sounds uh, pretty unpredictable. Who's about who's going to be available? Well, and not only eight, but at 38, too. Uh, that's the interesting thing is, you know, this could be a real value draft, and, and that's why it's, it's going to be imperative because 
Because really, outside of the top couple, I mean, even at, like, number three, I'm seeing huge, you know, vacillations of where people, you know, think guys are going to go. And and especially with some of the unknowns coming out of the U.S. National Development Team. I mean, like a guy like Alex Turcott, Reed, I've seen him projected as, as maybe the number three overall pick going to Chicago. But I've also seen guys that don't even have him in their top ten. And so I think that that pick at eight for the Oilers, my hunch is that the Oilers might have one or two guys sitting there at number eight that even a month ago they thought they'd have no shot at drafting. Yep. And it's and and the same holds true with that pick at thirty eight because I think there's another level off after the top maybe say eleven or twelve. And so you're going to have guys that might be projected mid to late first round now dropping into that second round, and, and that's where the 38 pick is going to come in into play. So it, it's a really interesting draft from from that regard. I mean, you know, you know, outside of the top two, Reed, I'm I'm seeing all kinds of you know, we were we were getting reports that that Kirby Doc and Dylan Cousins would, would might go three and four, and and I've seen some lists now that have them in the you know in the in the low teens. I mean, you know, going going twelve, thirteen. So, uh, as you know, I don't claim to be an expert on this particular deal. Uh, you know, our schedule dictates that we don't get to lot. Uh, you know, watch a ton of junior hockey. So most of it for me is is kind of doing my research when we were at the combine and, and talking to the guys who see these guys. You know, ten, fifteen times a year, and you know, uh, you'd be surprised. I mean, guys that are projected to go into the top five. I talked with a you know a, a really top scout that that for instance told me that you know he's seen Alex Turcotte ten or twelve times and hasn't had him in the best three or four players on that. On that men, uh, on that uh, developmental team, in any of the games he's seen, so you know what does that tell you? You know, so and he's a guy who could theoretically go three. So it's really interesting, um, you know, when you consider where these guys are are going to be landing and where they could theoretically go. Uh, and I think the where the Oilers are situated at number eight, they might have as many as you know two or three choices that that they just didn't envision. Jack, I appreciate you checking in tonight. Uh, if I don't see you before then, I'm sure I'll see you at the Eskimos home opener next Friday, buddy. Do you have a prediction for me on the Eskimos, Reed? I'm about to lay some some of my hard-earned money down. I mean, do you have the Eskimos, what, at about 11-7 and seven this year? I think so, and if the West is as tight as I think it's going to be, that could be good enough to get a home playoff game. I think it's going to be super competitive. I mean, they they should beat Montreal. I was I was talking to a uh, someone today who knows the CFL quite well, who thinks the Alouettes will will likely be a disaster again. So the Eskimos should jump all over them in the home opener. I'm very encouraged about the Eskimos' defense. Uh, Trevor Harris is is not going to be the type of gunslinger that that Riley was. Um, but but uh, and that's the concern for me. Yes, but uh, you know when I look at Edmonton, I think the the biggest variable for me is is that quarterback position, and also, you know, what happens to the team that Riley went to. Well, and they lo- and they lost the big old line signing for half the year, right? Because Sir Vincent yeah. Rogers has the torn triceps. Right, and and how much? And the other thing that I think is a big X factor is how much does Calgary come back to the field? In other words, does does Calgary significantly back up 
to say eleven and seven or ten and eight, or are they still going to be a thirteen and five team? Yeah, that's a good point. But I, I do think the Eskimos will have uh, an entertaining and, and very competitive team, and I think Hamilton's going to walk over the East. So there you. I'm look. I'm looking forward to it, Reed, because I know that if I want to see you in a good mood in Vancouver, the Eskimos need to take care of business with these two home <laughs> playoff true. games. That's Otherwise, very, that's very true. you're going to be a bear <laughs> to be around in Vancouver. So I, I just want a 2-0 start. There we go. See you soon, Jack. Cheers. Kellen, things are heating up for the slaw. Ooh. The pizza delivery man says, hey, Roadhammer, the pizza delivery man has you in his sights. Be prepared. I'm coming for you. Once that bell rings, you will need to keep your head on a swivel because when you get hit by the special delivery, it'll be lights out for you. I will be the new slaw champ. The pizza delivery man already has a finishing move, the special delivery. Rock and roll. I love it. That's incredible. Uh, Raptors down eight with four minutes left in the first half. Number one, 780-496-0063. You get a pair of passes to golf at the ranch. Have a great weekend. I will talk to you Monday. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.